Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Dacia sales event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Call in to see how shockingly affordable a new Dacia is in the new year. Welcome to the Late Lunch Show on LMFM Radio. Yes, it's my annual visit at this stage to the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre in Drogheda and it's an absolute hive of activity here today and I'm with the director, Aileen Emery. Great to see you again. Happy Christmas. Very same to you, Jerry. Thank you for coming along again this year. Delighted to have you. Now, I look out onto the garden here and there are diggers and there's construction going on. Tell our listeners what's happening. Well, um, I suppose the volume of work has increased and we have more people than ever coming through. That's a bit expected. We have an increased population and and an ageing population, so there are more people with a cancer diagnosis. We've just become too busy in the house, so we had to make space somewhere else. And uh, we have a new build in the back garden. Hopefully it'll be finished by May. And what will it provide? Well, that'll be a quieter therapeutic space um, because of the volume of work in the house. We had to double up on, on our programmes where we used to maybe have only one programme every morning. Now we have two, but it was interfering with all the quiet areas in the house. So hopefully that'll, that'll just give a nice quiet therapeutic space for yoga and Tai Chi and Qigong and all of the energy therapies, maybe the art therapy classes. As regards numbers of people coming here, what's the past year been like? We've hit 9,000 visits to the house this year. So just to give you an idea, I suppose three years ago it was at 6.9. So that's quite an increase, hence the new build. Mm, it's, a, it's a big, big increase, all right. And of course, again, to say that you rely on the wonderful support of people to keep the show on the road here. Absolutely. I mean, we would be completely lost without the support of the people of Drogheda and the surrounding counties, uh, Meath, North Dublin. Very importantly, our volunteers, we just cannot say enough about our volunteers. We have the most fantastic group of helpers in here, and I would love to give them all a big clap. I think everybody who comes to the house can attest to the fact how well they are looked after by them, and quite honestly, we wouldn't be able to open the door here without them and keep the show on the road. Absolutely. You do wonderful work. And uh, I want to say to you and the staff here how much you are appreciated by so many people and all of the families and people you've assisted over the years. We're all very grateful. Thank you. It's our pleasure to be here. That's Aileen Emery, the director of the Gary Kelly Centre. And you mentioned the volunteers. Jerry Flanagan is here from Blackbush Golf Club, a lovely golf club in County Mead. Tell me about the golf club and your support for this centre, why you're backing it and the story behind it. Back in 2007, I had colon cancer myself and in 2001, my son, who was 24, had uh, malignant melanoma. So um, cancer was in our family. So in 2007, when I was recovering, I uh, remember on the television we had uh, the the programme from the Helix. So um, I'm a GA man at heart. So Barney was there and uh, Jack O'Shea was there and David Beggy. So I said, as uh, soon as I get better, I said, I'll do something to help uh, what they're actually doing. So I came down here one day to Anne. I suggested that uh, I run a golf classic in the Black Bush. So my concept was that it would be um, <clears throat> an inter-county competition where I allowed the players on the day to wear their jerseys. We actually had 26 counties represented uh, four-person teams. So we started off, and I was only charging the time two euro ahead or something, just to start it off, you know. So the first year we got 2,000, 3,000, the second year, third, 4,000. So eventually got it up to 12,000. So in the, in the 10 years that we were there, so <clears throat> my ambition now was to get it up to 20 at some stage. So uh, what I'm saying is I was only too delighted to help. 
seeing that the cancer was in the family and that I see the brilliant work that's being done here. Well, I'm on the air, I might as well say that I want to say a big thank you to uh, my committee in the Blackbush, the wonderful ladies there, and uh, Michael Cain, my, my, uh, my partner in the competition, and also the council in the Blackbush for giving me the facilities and helping us out. Only too delighted to help out because you've only got to come down here every now and again and see what's going on. It's a brilliant, brilliant place to be. Who won the golf this year? Me. <laughs> From a loud man's point of view, did you just fall over the line? <laughs> no, we gave them a prize, so they said they'll come back next year. <laughs> Blackbush Golf Club, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, €12,000 up to and aiming for 20 Come on, let's hear from the wonderful Anne Tracy. I know you all love her. Anne, what does it cost to keep the show on the road on an annual basis? Okay, we're all sitting, aren't we? (laughs) Our budget last year came in at 400,000 and we get 23,000 counselling grant from the Irish Council Society and the HSC we get 2,500 and Tusla, the Family Support Agency gives us 3,200 and that's it. We fundraise for the rest. And thank God the people are brilliant. They put up with us year on year and we, we meet that target, we get it. Now, we're struggling this year. Everybody, I think, is, is a little bit afraid of, of Brexit and where things are going. And they're, they're so, so generous in, in kind and thought. But it, it is, it's tough. This year is tough. Never mind that we put in the new build. Never mind that we had a flood and we <laughs> decimated two rooms. But sure, we're all keeping going. We're positive. You mentioned the, the, the worry that it is. But look, every year you have to say... The people from Louth and Meath and further afield come up trumps. And, you know, people come and go in terms of the support. But you always get there. We do. Uh, I'm amazed. 16 years down the line and I'm still banging on doors. And you know what? Those doors are opened wide and the welcome is there. And where are you at? What do you need? It may be a financial support or it may be a practical support. and But it all matters. Every part of it matters. The groups of volunteers that work within the centre... They're incredible. We couldn't do it without them. And then we have a league of people that work with us outside. We've just completed our Christmas card campaign. That could not happen without people saying, give me a dozen packs, Anne, and I'll move them around my house or my estate or I'll bring them into work or, you know, and the people that sit at the stands around the shopping centres. And people come up and not only do they buy the cards, but they say, ah, it's all right, leave the change there. It'll be grand. It's going to a good cause. So, yeah, it's it's phenomenal 16 years down the line that Joe Public is supporting this centre and keeping that door open and allowing us to carry on with the work that needs to go on here. You can't say no to Anne Tracy, can you? No. Nobody can. Whenever she rings me. I have her on a special dial number on the phone now and I see it. But sure, it's always yes. It has to be yes. But you have that way about you, I have to say. You go about your job in a fantastic manner. And, you know, you are a key part, along with Aileen and all of the team here, in providing the services. A very, very happy Christmas to you all. Be kind to each other. Look out for each other. And God bless you. We're indebted to you. And Tracy, the woman who brings in the cash to keep the show on the road in the Gary Kelly Centre. Next up to have a chat with me, well, I've had a chat with her on a number of occasions on Late Lunch, and she's one of my favourite, favourite guests. You know her well. What a brilliant lady and a wonderful writer. Nicola Pierce, ladies and gentlemen, is with us again today. Thank you very much. I still remember the day you came in and opened up about you and facing this huge challenge in your life. Bring us up to speed. Where are you today? This day last year was my last radiation. I feel very emotional and I'm always emotional sitting here because um, to this morning I've had to think about how important this centre has been to me. Uh, I was passing it on my way up to the Lord's Hospital. I'd just been diagnosed with cancer and a few people had said, you've got to go into Gary Kelly. Uh, and I didn't know how you did that. Also, I hadn't started chemo yet, so I didn't look sick. Uh, but I remember leaving the Lord's, walking back, taken me ages to cross the road that road is really busy outside uh, opening the gate feeling that everybody was looking at me walking up that pathway knocking on the door and I can't even remember the lovely woman opened the door to me and just looked at her and I said I've got cancer <laughs> and, uh, within 10 minutes of that 
I was inside Ailing, started me counselling for the next six weeks and Ailing got to watch the initial effects of chemo. So Ailing got to wish I would take a taxi uh, when I looked really tired. I remember she left me. I came in one day. I was I must have fallen asleep, I think, and she just left me until I was ready. Um, so the, the centre has been hugely, hugely important to me this past year. Um, and apart from Aileen and Anne and all the wonderful things that I've gotten to do that I never thought I would do, uh, I'm sure Michael Ferguson is going to tell you about calendar girls are putting on the, the new year. Um, but also, uh, I'm a writer. I'm not very sociable. And I didn't realise that I had so much space left for new friends and the amount of people I've gotten to know here and truly, truly love. And there is a cancer bond. There is an ease we are when we're in each other's company. We don't have to explain things. I've been taught how to be a good friend. I've been taught about compassion. Um, and I'm truly, truly grateful to this centre for all of that and for all of you. <laughs> You know, when you came to that door and you said those words, I have cancer, hundreds and thousands of people have done that. And you know something? They've all been welcomed in here, just like yourself. Isn't that wonderful to contemplate? Yes, absolutely. You walk in, you feel like you're home. And you didn't even realise that's what you were needing at the time. Um, Alien brought me around the whole building. I mean, it was a building I'd never looked at before. I'd bought the cards at Christmas time and that was it. Fancy Gary Kelly for a bit, that was it. <laughs> what an exclusive we have today. Are you listening, Gary? Uh, <laughs> And, um, yeah, it's just been an absolute privilege. And then I would have been writing about my journey on Twitter and on Facebook. And on Twitter, I had women writing to me from different parts of Ireland and from England. And I would have to explain what the Gary Kelly Centre does, and they would not have that support there. Um, so it was, I was reminded over and over again how lucky we are in Drada. Um, and I just also want to give a, a shout out for the Drada Hospice too. I needed them for radiation and they were there every day for me too. So we were really, really lucky here in Drada with the amount of support that's available to us. She's just so inspirational, Nicola Pierce, and she just captures the essence of the Gary Kelly Centre, I have to say. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to you and your King. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, bring us a piggy pudding. Oh, bring us a piggy pudding. Oh, bring us a piggy pudding and a cup of good cheer. We won't go until we get some, we won't go until we get some, we won't go until we get some, so bring some out here. We wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, what a day it was at Gary Kelly yesterday. And I thank them again, Anne and Aileen, for inviting me along. What a crowd there was there. And that is but an extract from a podcast that is available now on lmfm.ie. If you go to our homepage, lmfm.ie, and you'll see podcasts at the top, click on that. And just below that, you'll see Late Lunch Best Bits. And it's top of the pile in there at the moment. It's about half an hour long and it's wonderful with more fantastic people and lots of music to be enjoyed as well. Check it out and enjoy. And we wish them all the very best for the new year. Coming up after two, it's Women With Opinions and they have a big task on their hands again this year. They have to pick the best Christmas pudding in the northeast and the office. You'd want to be in our office and the scent of the puddings. Brian Farley, who's with me today, he can't wait until we actually reveal the winner. And he's, he's ballragging me here for the winner to take home, but I'm sure I'll have to look after him, won't I? Anyway, the pudding will be chosen in the next hour. And thank you to everybody who sent their puddings to us, as well as puddings. What about Christmas cuties? They're flying in as well. Let's have a listen to another. Today we're going to hear first from a three-year-old. Her name is Sadie Ludlow Dorn. Jingle, jingle bell, jingle bells on the way. 
Oh, my father Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingles on the way. Oh, my father smiling at that I, I don't know what will get you smiling this Christmas Friday afternoon <laughs> isn't she fantastic remember three years of age Sadie Ludlow Dorn is in the mix to be named cutest Christmas cutie on LMFM's late launch this Christmas 2019 and we will name the cutie winner on Monday 250 euro voucher for Shoe City winging it your way we'll hear more from our cuties a little bit later on in the show just want to say a big thank you to all the people we've got loads of cards in Emma Higgs from Irish Wildlife Matters happy Christmas Emma and to your husband Andrew Kelly who sent us a beautiful wildlife calendar Jenny and all the crew at at, uh, Mead Potatoes thank you so much Polly Nash Drahada Classical Sheila Maloney was in yesterday with a rake of gifts and Holly and everything we love you Sheila thank you so much and Emer Conlon from Vroomtown ah oh, Emer thanks for the lovely wishes and the beautiful card and continued success to you and another one here uh, reminding me it comes in from Raymond the Postman yes I had him on the show he's from Fordstown Raymond we got your card as well and so on and so on they go this is the biggest task that we pose to women with opinions every single year. They have huge responsibility because they are going to crown the winner of the best Christmas pudding in the North East for 2019 again this year. And the task this year rests on the shoulders of Kira Burke, Betty Clark and Karen Devine. No better shoulders to rest on, may I say. You're welcome. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry, Thank I'm you. on my second slice of that pudding. Um, that was hey. uh, very nice, that now, number one. Okay, well, when I tell you, what we've done is the girls have the first pudding. So let me tell you that what has happened. We've got a rake of puddings in, or a raft of them, whatever you like to say as usual. We had a pre-taste panel go through them all earlier today, and we've shortlisted five puddings. Okay, now it's quite a few to get through, but we felt five was representative of all the entries. And thanks to everybody who sent them in. If you weren't shortlisted, you're brilliant. We love you. And your pudding is marvellous. And I will name some of them that I like myself going through. But anyway, we have five shortlisted. Pudding number one comes from Gail Fitzsimons in Trim. Now, this woman is a pudding aficionado. I think she won in the past. I'm really right in saying that, but she's always been there and she's in again this year. Once more, obviously, on the nail since she's shortlisted. What do you make of Gail's pudding, Kira? Well, I, th- I think it's delicious. Okay, you're, you're, say- you're, you're very impressed with Gail's pudding. Yes. It's delicious. It's, bit, it's lovely. It's very nice, but it's a bit light for me, Jerry. It's okay. middle of the road. It's not too dark, and I, I'm, as more I'm tasting, it's a bit light. Okay, I, I think I'd, Karen. And actually, it's the lightness that I love. I think it's just absolutely gorgeous, and the cherries uh, are lovely and fresh and moist and juicy. And uh, no, it's a, it's a great one. Oh, really? Now that's a very good start mm. for Gail's pudding. So, will you do me a favour? Write a mark down yeah. there behind pudding number one. And, and let me not- tell you, it's Betty who likes to drink more drink than her. <laughs> I think so. so yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, yeah you have to go eat heavy yeah. on the booze when you're doing you a can pudding. Add some to yours, yeah, Betty. Yeah, okay. yeah. Brandy is it? Or whatever they do. But yeah. Anyway, that is pudding number one, and that you're giving the girls are giving a mark. Now we're not going to reveal the mark till the end, but you have to accept our honesty here. And these are honest women. They've put down a mark. And the paper. It's out of 10, so 30 will be the maximum any pudding can get. So Gail has our mark now, and we will reveal that when we go through all five at the finish. So, Gail Fitzsimons, we've tasted your pudding. It's gorgeous. Gets a very good uh, accepting across the board here from the girls. A little darker, Betty might have said, but anyway, there you go. Okay, let's have a chat about what's going on in the world. And you talk about having to tear, put a lot of drink into puddings. You'd need a lot of drink in your pudding if you were thinking about the FAI this weather, wouldn't you? 
Oh my word! I look. Has any of you real interest in soccer or football? Firstly, do you want to declare your hand, Betty? Sorry, you? what, what shape is the ball? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> not really, but John Delaney is a disgrace. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah no, I have yeah. no interest in soccer. Yeah. Okay, well, okay. we're, we're but, getting it fairly neutral. Yeah. I know mm. Kira is involved in the, in the football and that as well. Look. How is the Football Association in debt to this? Now, we know the stadium debt is one thing, but to the tune it was 55. It's gone over 60 now. It could go higher. Here we are again. The banking crisis, the crisis in the charity sector, the Olympic Council of Ireland, the Football Association of Ireland. Is this just country corrupt from top to bottom? It's not that I would say that it's corrupt. I think we have a huge element of naivety. We have a naivety that people are operating for the best of reasons and not in their own self-interest. And I think that's what we've discovered over the past decade, that there's a huge number of people who go into positions of power because of what it will give them and not what they can do for others. Well, I think I think John Delaney... Um, has got caught up on the whole, you know, UEFA, FIFA, whole world. And he doesn't realise that he's in a population of not even 5 million. And that that's what he's dealing with because he's now has a League of Ireland uh, football going on. And those, some of those players are being paid. Like, we cannot compete in the world of soccer where there's massive monies going into it from corporations, whatever. We can't compete with that. And I think that he has tried to play with the big boys, but we don't have, we can't, we can't afford it. Yeah, yeah, but let me explain to you. You see, at international level, we're in there anyway, and our players come mostly from the, mm. the leagues in England, right? So that's the international team. And the FAI is made of many strands. The international team is one, but the international team is very important because that brings in the money. You're talking about the League of Ireland. I couldn't disagree with you. I think the League of Ireland here has been ignored for years, and there's a huge problem there. Mm. And the clubs have a lot to answer for themselves mm. in the mm. way they've been run, and the people they send into that central body as well who've acquiesced. And I've said this during the week. They have a lot to answer for. You have the schoolboys, you have mm. the women's football, yeah, you have the amateur them. game, you have the disabled football. There are so many strands to the FAI, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're all impacted by this. Where to from here? Will it will it fold? Do you think it should fold? All fold. I can say is now for somebody who doesn't really have much interest in football, it's just another corrupt government funded. Isn't there money? Well, pa- yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, no, no it's well, not just, huge. I have yeah. to say, it's two to three million in the context of their overall. Just like that, though. I oh, mean, it's a lot of money. Yeah, you know, know, we have ten thousand people on this homeless. Now, that's to me shocking, shocking, shocking. You have the printer that wouldn't fit into in, in the doll. Two million. You've got the uh, the children's hospital. You've got the RTE. Um, uh, salaries. All of these are government funded some way and there just seems to be no accountability once the money is coming from the taxpayer. And that's what strikes me as the... Well, well can I tell you with this, they halted the funding now, right? That has happened. And the Minister Shane Ross, in my opinion, has played the blinder here because oh. he's just said everybody has to go. No, he revealed and they were mad about it the other day that they went in looking for 18 million of a bailout. And the FAI are mad about this, that he revealed this. We should know. That's what I'm saying. Yes, it's our money, Karen. It absolutely is our money. And, you know, while I disagree with Shane Ross on a lot of things, I do think he's right. It needs a total clear out top to bottom. Like with John Delaney gone, like whose pocket was he in? Do you know what I mean? Or who did he have in his pocket Mm. in terms of the government? Like, I, I, there's questions to be asked there because he's not there now. So who has he been plumossing over the years? And, you know, who has he looked after and vice versa? So, like, I think whoever's the new crew in town have to just clear the decks and start afresh. I do think there's a little bit of, it, it's a little bit like past the parcel, you know, everything is going around. If you look at the various soccer clubs in the UK and across Europe, they are all operating off massive levels of debt. They're not actually financially viable as clubs. They're just investments for oligarchs from around the world. And that there's a there's a, a sense in with which soccer isn't actually playing in the real world mm. at all. Mm. And I think what was happening with the FAI was taking on debt here, taking on debt there, their share of Lansdowne Road, various things like that, playing with the big boys, not actually ever realising that at any point this debt was going to be counted up and exposed. Yes, that's a really good mm. point. I'll tell you something. They're looking for independent directors. 
You don't know. You have no links with them, Karen Devine no, at I all. Definitely but, don't. But you know, you make but your you know point what? is valid that foot soccer is. You know, you saw the corruption with Blatter mm-hmm. at world level yeah. and in UEFA yes, as well yes. yeah. with the French guy. It, it, maybe it's just endemic in the whole thing. Well, as a counterbalance to obviously over the last ten, fifteen years, we've been let down by a lot of strands of society. We've been let by go, down by government bank, religion, there's a whole strand of society that has let us down, those who are supposed to be in charge, those who are supposed to be leaders and for me one of the ways that I've tried to counterbalance the negativity of that was um, a friend of mine, a lady called Joanne Hessian, founded an organisation called LIFT which is leading Ireland's future together and it aims from primary school right up to government level to improve standards of leadership and ethics in Ireland and it's a really simple process but it's incredibly effective and it causes each of us as individuals to stop and question how we behave and how that impacts on the world around us and I think there is an element of leadership standards in this country need vast improvement what is acceptable behaviour can't be allowed to go on and and across the board I know Betty does power not seem to corrupt people at the end Mm. of the day and the Mm. you know the basic every time I put on the radio every day every there's another scandal there's another huge amount of money gone missing or and I I don't know you would get very disillusioned about where Ireland it is very corrupt Jerry that's what I'm trying to say to you once there's sort of money coming in from somewhere else other than what you'd earn yourself if you're, you're self-employed would be a different thing completely you know so that to me is not good that's it I, but, I, it's, it's, but is the good greater the, the, uh, you no, know, not the way Ireland is going okay. no I don't think so I really don't I, I think it's going in the wrong direction Betty doesn't do you not well, think I think that Ireland has gone in the right direction because the corruption in Ireland over the years has been absolutely massive so don't say that it's a new thing the no. corruption in Ireland in this state has been incredible over the years and you can go back to the the, the formation of the state mm. and how uh, De Valera had the church in his pocket and, ver- and vice versa. Yes. So we, we have a lot more questions now than we ever did. But I, but I think that in it, it, the government is governed by the civil service in this country and that is the problem. When you get some fella going into government and he wants to do the best he can, he can do nothing because the top civil servants have the place corrupted within an inch of its life. Well, you know, I, I know you say that, but at the end of the day as well, you have to say that there's a lot of honest people in positions, on high positions in government departments who, you know... who It's, uh, hard, Jerry, it's hard to call out the truth yeah, though when yeah. you see corruption around you when you see decisions being made for the wrong reasons when you see mm. those kind of things it is very very so hard we, to be we, strong enough to call it out Can I just say one thing where everyone's always given out about the government everyone's always given out about this that and the other the government's hands are tied in a lot of cases with the, the unions and the way that contracts are made in the civil service Jerry. and that is the, the truth the people who make the decisions are the top of the civil service and they are the ones that are, are running this country I'm going to break are you saying to me this season of great joy and happiness <laughs> that we're in despair about Ireland um no I think there I think there is a future but there's going to be a ha- have to be a lot of clear out of many parts okay of the, I hear what yeah. you're saying five finalists in the best Christmas pudding of the year number two is the one gentleman among the four women in the final five it's Barry McHugh from Drumree Karen Devine kick us off what do you think of that pudding it was a bit heavy handed with the alcohol for me but I'm a non-drinker so I'm probably the, the wrong one to judge on that but texture moist would you say it was definitely moist yeah um, it was darker than the last okay. one and yeah fruity Okay, Betty, this is this one up your street? Well, I'm a non-drinker as well, okay. but maybe it brings back memories to me. <laughs> because there definitely was, there was definitely a lot of fruit and a lot of alcohol in that. Right. It was, it was definitely on the heavier side than yeah. the first Do you one. like the pudding? I do like the pudding, yes, okay. I do. Okay, Burke. Yes, uh, definitely a heavier one than the last one. Uh, definitely more more booze in it. I think there must be potcheen or something in that. Is there? Uh, Barry will tell us. Yeah, I'm but sure there was loads of lovely nuts in it, which I liked. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. there was lots of fruit and it was a moist pudding. It was, it was lovely, yeah. OK, so well-deserved finalists, you reckon, across the board. Yeah. So the shortlisting yeah. team has done well. Give it a mark there. It's yep. 10 marks you have each and it'll be out of 30 in total and we'll reveal all of the marks a little later on in the show. And just to tell you, I'm the Shirley Ballas, if you uh, watch Strictly Come Dancing, of the panel. I will have the casting vote if there is a tie in the end between any of the puddings. So just to let you know that. Let's, <laughs> a little, a little, a little. Let's move on. Yusk, 
the uh, home furnishing store who've moved into Ireland in the last year and they've a, a couple of shops here in the North East. They're giving their staff three days off at Christmas. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and St Stephen's Day and they're not reopening until the 27th. Do you like this? I love it. I think it's a great, great idea. I think they're... I feel terribly sorry for people who work in retail. You see them closing up on Christmas Eve, having had a mad run into Christmas. They get Christmas Day at home and then back preparing for sales and stuff like that. That's no quality of life. So I think it's re- it's a really good move. And I think the more big retailers do it, the more it allows others to do the same. Betty, Betty, come on. Do you do you think it's bad that they're giving them three days? No, oh, I, you're saying you're, I, no. I'm I just asking, want. I, I want well, because, your opinion. Well, because as far as I know, um, Marks and Spencers do do even the, the same or less. Because I have family who work there and they work part of uh, Christmas Eve and then uh, off two days and then back in the 27th. You okay. know, so that seems to be quite normal now, yeah, but Jerry. You're saying that this is good. But, yeah. it, but they're only doing what the market is doing. Oh no, because remember, other big retailers are open on St. Stephen's Day morning, oh, yeah, early right. in the morning. Oh, no, I no, understand. No, no, they're, they're certainly not. Oh, no, it's, and, it's, and, and, and as well as that, they're open a lot of them right till the death on uh, Christmas yeah. Eve as no, well. So really there's that only is, a one day break. Right. Mm. In the church just off Grafton Street on Christmas Eve and when we're going in there at half six in the evening for the carol service and mass staff in Brown Thomas are turning the windows at that point at half six on Christmas that's Eve that's to be ready for the sales on Stephen's, Stephen's this morning. This morning. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah, it's no break. It's so no you are giving three days off to the staff. Now you're a businesswoman in the uh, services sector as well. Well, I'm delighted now that I know how to pronounce that. Yusk. Yusk, because that's the first time I've heard it pronounced. Yeah. So, um, no, I think they're, they're right. I close for a week. Like, I could be the busiest week of my year and I close from... We're, well, we're busy Christmas Eve. We close the doors at, at five. We bring all our leftover food to the homeless aid and then um, we close till the 2nd of January. I admire you yeah. even more. Now, yeah, there you go. If it's possible, Jerry. Yes, yes, yes it's it's tomorrow, is admire it? even more. But I, I want to spend time with my family. Mm. My, my staff want to f- spend yeah. time with their yeah. families. And, um, you know, and we all come back... And oh, we have a where everyone's in great form in January when we come yeah. back, yeah. and you know what? Everybody has enough food in their houses, yeah. and I don't want For to be sure. It's, it's a very Scandinavian thing. My sister lives in Sweden, and like that, if you have a great job in Sweden, you'll stay. You'll stay in the job and you'll work at it. But if you have a job that impacts on your quality of life, you won't stay. It really is that important to them culturally that actually you are able to go to your kid's soccer match and that you're able to look after mm. your mom if she's fallen or, you know, whatever it is, that actually there's an allowance for real life that work is part of your day, but it's not your entire And that's, that's one thing that's very important for me as, as I have to explain to some of the chefs that would have come in to me and I sit in here, you get every second weekend off. It's a work-life balance thing that I, I'm for, all for work-life balance because I have family too and I think that it's probably more important or as important as what you're paid to have a balance in your life because you know what, if I, was, if I worked every Christmas and left my kids my kids be all grown up and they'll say, well, mom was, she was always working, so we never, she's mm. going to work ahead of us. So what's the mm. point, what's the point of that? Do you remember the days, of course we all do, when Sundays was not a retail day. Oh, I'd love to go back to uh, that. You oh, know, yeah, that yeah, too. the I only think, shops yeah. open, you got yeah. your newspaper or yeah. Yeah. Your, your sweet yeah. treat or yeah. things like yeah. that. You yeah. know, people went for a jar and the, would you like to see it go back to that? I'd love to see it go back to that. Do you remember after Mass, I used to go into Schwer's and, and West Street and I'd <laughs> Great get a, a Fry's chocolate cream and a Bunty ah, in 1976. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not joking you. It's, that, it's back to that. And then, then they were closed for the rest yeah, of the day. Yeah, yeah. After Mass, they were there and then they had their family time or whatever. But I was talking to publicans the other day and they were saying that the knock on the door on Christmas Day, like people looking for a drink. Do you know what I mean? Christmas Day, could you like, you know, years ago, more importantly, because now you can buy all the drink in Tesco and have it mm-hmm. in your house. But um, like people would be knocking, they'd be sitting down to their dinner and there'd be fellas and women knocking on the door to let them in for drink. My father used to be part of a lock-in every Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so you know all about it then, Jerry. I know all about it. In Mother Hughes's pub on the North Road, he'd go down and uh, that was the tradition. They got in on Christmas Day and those drinks were sweeter than yeah. any oh, other time drink. Yeah. They'd go yeah. down start about 11 in the morning. You know what I mean? For the day? No, well, no, 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 Sunday, no. Jerry, no. It wasn't no. the same on a Sunday, on a normal Sunday. They closed for 
time. Men, yeah. men yeah. knocking on yeah. the door. Oh, yeah. so, my yeah. dad yeah. used to go and, and yeah. my poor mother. Like, you know, no, it wasn't a day session. Mm. There was a sort of a time limit, a couple of hours, few bottles on that. delighted to have the peace. Even she wasn't, he'd come home and he'd say, you know, microwaves, remember, no reheating, trying to keep the turkey and everything just... Dinner's in the dog. stop, I can remember it. Memories, memories. But we're all sort of in favour of going back to the older days. God knows it'll never happen. Anyway, we're on to pudding number three. And while that you're just uh, distributing it out there among yourselves, let me read some of the comments coming to us this afternoon. Jerry, I can't get a light pudding anywhere. Would that woman in trim have any to spare? <laughs> Gail, would you have anything to, you could help this woman out? With? And she's in the trim area as well. Jerry, I don't understand why the soccer team is funded from public money. Well, you see, the soccer team isn't the international team. There's a grant, two to three million, goes into the FAI, and that's distributed to grassroots football, which is very important for children and young girls and boys who are playing. I'm not interested in soccer. The same thing about the television you were talking about. Most of it is rubbish. I don't watch it. Let them work for their earnings, says a listener there. Now, you have been tasting pudding number three. And I have to say, we have a great spread this year. I do want to mention, she's not in the final five. Mairead Matthews, love your pudding, Mairead. And Anne McGurk from Drogheda. Sadly, you didn't make it into the final shake-up. We love the pud as well, Anne. But number three of the five finalists is from Dulican County Meath. Her name is Lorraine Bellew. You're in the final five, Lorraine. Let's have a word first from Betty on that pudding. What do you think? It's wet. Mm. It's a wet it's moist, one. It's a moist pudding. It's a moist it? pudding. I see it um, there, yeah. Not enough fruit for me. Okay. So, no, it, it's okay. Yeah. yeah it's, okay. It's, Karen. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd like a little bit more fruit in it as well. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree too. Yeah. Okay. It was nice. The flavour was yeah, nice. It was, it was nice, nice light. Yeah. 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 Um, but I'd say more fruit. More fruit. A little bit more booze. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. And. Um, yeah. Yeah, it just no, it didn't. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I looked. I looked at them in the finalists as well, and it was selected by the team as a, mm. because they thought it was a little bit different. And yeah, I'm sure yeah. somebody had a penchant there for yeah. not as much fruit, yeah, and yeah. that's why it's in. Looks lovely. Mm. The yeah. colour is lovely as well. They, by the way, they've eaten all your pudding that, that they've exactly been given what here, I was about to <laughs> Lorraine. Say. Mm. No matter what, it's all been eaten here. <laughs> so Lorraine Belly. So will you mark her again, yeah. there, girls, and yeah. give her a mark? That's pudding number, number three of the final five. Let's head to another break on late lunch. Lots to chat about. We want to talk about uh, Floods Baronet Boy. No more 12 pubs of Christmas there. I've told the girls I'm moving to Finland. You're going to find out why in a few moments and their childhood memories. We'll come back to those. Just reminding you about LMFM Christmas, our brand new online station. We are really celebrating the festive season this year. All you have to do is go to lmfm.ie and click on LMFM Christmas and there you are. Or else... Do this. Download the LMFM smartphone app. Then you can bring us with you anywhere in the world and you can go to LMFM Christmas there. And at this minute, they're playing non-stop Christmas songs just for you. But don't go anywhere till half three. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio Live. The women are with us today. Yes, our women with opinions. Kira Burke, Betty Clark and Karen Devine. And they're tucking into... Uh, you've putting number four. Is that right there at the moment? So the fourth finalist I will reveal now, the top five we have out of all the puddings we've got, is Rita Daly from Slane in County Meath. Well done to you, Rita. You're in the final shake-up. Congratulations. Now, what do we think of this, Pud? Let's start with Kira Burke this time. Well, now, Rita, was it? Yes. Oh, no, that was a lovely pudding. That was a lovely pudding now. Well, now, that is a real thumbs up yeah, from no, Kira Burke. Now. It was a just nice, it was a good bit of fruit, it was a good few nuts, there was a little bit of booze, wasn't too light, wasn't too heavy, it was lovely. I think it's my, my favourite so far. I'm not am I allowed to say that, but it, it is moist and it was it wasn't too heavy, but it was. Mm. There was a good body yeah. to it yeah. and a nice after flavour, yeah. you know, on your mouth. You know the way, uh, yeah, mm. like that. To me, it's the Goldilocks of puddings. It's just right. <laughs> In my notes, I've written yum, yum, yum. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. on your notes, will you just put down a mark there, the yeah. three, okay. and mark Rita Daly's uh, pudding yeah. out of 10, please. 30 is the maximum mark you can get. So we have one more pudding to taste, and we'll come back to that in a few moments. Now, Floods Bar in Athboy have decided that they don't want groups calling who do this 12 pubs of Christmas thing. They've taken a unilateral decision. We don't want your business. We don't want you dropping in for the one drink with your group. So that go away, st- go somewhere else, leave us be and let us enjoy the Christmas with our, with our customers or ever. What's your take on the 12 pubs of Christmas? Karen? 
Um, well, I suppose, I, as I said earlier, I'm a non-drinker, so, but I do love the atmosphere and catching up with friends and being in the pub and having a chat. And you know what? A crowd of people landing in, ordering drinks, being noisy and rowdy, that doesn't add to the atmosphere at all for, you know, if you're out for an evening with friends. So I can understand where they're coming from. It, it's probably not a bad call. Okay, so you are uh, supporting Floods Barnett by Kira. What do you say? Well, I think it's a it's a fantastic marketing ploy on their behalf because um, everyone else who's not doing a twelve pubs will all flood there because they don't want to flood to floods. <laughs> flood to floods uh, because they don't want to be listening to the crap out of the twelve pubs gangs. Do you know what I mean? Now, I'd love to actually meet someone who's ever made twelve pubs. Would you? Because yes, yes. anyone who I've ever heard gone in a 12 pubs, it only actually made about four or five mm, because mm. they're passed out by the fifth. Yeah, how would you make 12 unless you were drinking water in nine of them? Yeah. I'd have to anyway, to well, be yeah. honest. Yeah, so um, I think well done floods. I think it's probably going to be a new uh, trend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it reminds me, Jerry, straight away of hen parties or stags. That's what comes to my mind, which are loud and messy and just, you know, having their own fun themselves, but just mm. oblivious to everybody else around them and kind of normal manners seem to go out of the way. Mm. you know as regards noise levels and messiness and like it's okay to be in that company but nobody else really thinks it's great fun no that's what I mean like it's okay for your little group to think you're fantastic and you're doing five or it's twelve plus whatever but like at the end of the day really is it is it is I have an impression, removed from it, that it's not as big as it was a few years ago. It's a, a child of the Celtic Tiger times and that, or am I wrong? Well, it's funny, my nephew, my, I was talking to my brother-in-law yesterday, and my nephew, who's 20, was dying to be allowed to go out on the 12 pubs with the gang from college. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, My it's, daughter's going on with, with uh, college, or with, with her school friends. Mm. So, <laughs> maybe she's 19. The, yeah, maybe that's the, the age. Yeah, I think it's 19, 20. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Let's move on and talk about Finland. Now, we were talking about corruption in Ireland um, a little while ago. And, you know, I I have to say this. Most corruption involves men. Oh, shut up. Are you surprised? Oh, (laughs) alpha males. There's there's a few women, I'd say, with form as well. But most, it is, when all the scandals were talking... Well, you've had mostly men ruling the roost in the church in government and those dynamics are changing... But what about Finland? I'm seriously thinking of relocating. I'm just looking at a picture here of the Prime Minister of Finland, Sanna Marin, the Minister of Education, Lee Anderson, the Minister of Finance, Katri Kulumi, and also in the picture is the Minister of the Interior in Finland, Maria Ohusalo. And they're posing at a meeting of the new government in Finland. Finland is being run by women. Discuss. Well... I heard um, an article the other day about the education system in, and uh, we are second behind Finland in terms of literacy in Europe, actually. Uh, now, when it comes to maths and all that, I think we're down the, more down the list. But Finland are at the top of their game on most things. And if the women are running it, like, sorry, Jerry, like, move over, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Santa, Mar- Santa Marin, I have to say, is the youngest head of state now in the world and the other three I mentioned are all coalition leaders and they're also under 35. You know the the way, Karen, in Ireland to be Taoiseach, well, Taoiseach is younger today, but it was an old man's game, politics was as well. This has just completely turned it on its head. It has turned it on its head and it's a coalition of five parties, all of which have female party leaders and of the cabinet, the 12 in cabinet, seven are women and five are men. So, I mean, the reality is that society is better for everybody when we have equality and therefore it shouldn't go too far the other direction either. But I think there's some really great lessons to be learned from Finland in terms of how they've got to this point. And that's, you know, elements, you will say, when I talk about my sister in Sweden, childcare is a male and female issue there. The state plays an active role in childcare. And we've seen what's happened in the last week in Ireland and the last few months in Ireland where childcare is seen as a private enterprise when insurance isn't possible, when there's problems with regulation. And there's a lot of parents out there this, you know, facing into January wondering whether their crash will be open or not. That's not an issue in the Scandinavian countries. Childcare is provided as part of your taxation and it's good quality and it's all year round and it's outdoor 
child care, mm. child education mm. as well. So and and you're, you're saying to me that it is the, the female input into that policy? And no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm no. saying that by making a policy decision like that 30 years ago, yes. those countries raised... Okay, and that could have been made by men primarily, mm. Yeah, you have to say. Quite possibly, but, but it created a generation where men and women I are understand. equal in going and forward I for politics. I see where you're going and these women could move right. on and develop in... So like when my sister yeah. is interviewing somebody for a job, she doesn't look at whether they're male or female because the man is just as likely to go out on paternity leave as the woman is to go on maternity Lovely. leave. And the other thing about the, the, the public, um, say, creche system or childcare system is that everybody's in the same boat. So everybody gets the same uh, treatment. It's not like if you have more money, you can spend you know more on your childcare or whatever. Everybody gets the same. Okay. Everybody gets equal. the same standard. I just wonder when I see those pictures of very young women are they afraid of the handmaid's tale? You know, the way it's all kind of gone now. You know, there's this dystopian world where men are ruling and the, these women of childbearing age are imprisoned. And it's become a huge almost movement. And are they afraid now to give the reins to men in the future? You know, these younger, educated women, they're, they're really strong feminists now, Jerry. Like, mm. there's, there's, there's an element, uh, you know, of maybe not trusting men that, that was be- mm. there before. Oh, well, maybe they know a bit more than us in this country if we hadn't trusted a lot of them here we mightn't be in the mess we've been well, we're in with the FAI is, for example at the minute Betty is that they have been voted in obviously by yes. um, oh, yes. an equal, like, an equal yeah. like amount of men as women so um, you know everybody voted them in so it wasn't just they chose to be but more, I, I th- more of your messages just let's uh, include the listeners as well keep them coming to us 086-1800-658 the LMFM Christmas station is fabulous says a listener it's on here in the workshop the whole time that comes in from Santa's little helper who says only five sleeps to go ho 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 <laughs> do you know, do you know <laughs> I don't know who that person is and they've been on to me on late lunch since this show started Santa's little helper I just don't know who it is but I love them and you know the mystery of it do I want to know does the child in me want to know never 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 um, it, it, just on the, on the subject we've been talking about the Finnish female government uh, the Irish will never pay the amount of tax that's paid in Scandinavia that's, exactly. that's true. why it'll never be like this here says it's Elizabeth. not true my sister doesn't pay any more tax than I do but the public services are provided. There is almost no community and voluntary sector in Sweden because if a service is needed for public for uh, the people, it's provided. And there's more accountability in Sweden. I can look up the tax returns of my next door neighbour. I can look up the tax returns and the earnings of the politicians. I can see everything. It's a much more open and transparent society. So you think we're being spun a, a spiel here? You I know, think we just are. To, I think to, we pay a lot of tax in this country. We pay a I lot of tax. I couldn't agree with you more. Stay with us for the final part of Women With Opinions. It's coming to a crescendo. We have one more pudding to taste and the title is going to be told out. All the excitement. Let's take our final break. Okay, best Christmas pudding in the northeast. I do want to mention a couple of others that I enjoyed, but the, uh, the judging panel didn't put through to the final five, but they're lovely. Olive Hussey from Slane sent us a lovely pudding. Anna Rourke from RD and Rosalind Murphy in Drogheda. You make great puds, ladies, and thanks for sending them in to us. Our fifth finalist comes from Knockbridge in County Louth and it's Laura Casey. Now, Betty, you've been uh, having a little taste there of Laura's pud. It reminded me of my granny's pudding, which is a very big compliment. Uh, rest in peace, my granny. But she always made everybody, everybody's pudding. Dark, moist, lovely flavour in your mouth. Very nice, Jerry. Okay. Very, very good. Kira. I have to say, all of these people have to be celebrated. Yes. Because there's puddings being made across this country at the moment and we don't realise the work that's been put into the women that are soaking fruit and leaving it and making puddings and they're starting it from September. And it is a fantastic tradition that is being lost because I don't know any young ones making puddings Mm, now. mm. But there is, I have to say... All of those puddings were gorgeous. That pudding just we've just tasted, number five, was absolutely delicious. Laura Casey. Yeah. And, lovely, um, lovely, well lovely. Done. You yeah. like it, Karen. Mm. Loved it. Absolutely delicious. It was delicious. It was really, really gorgeous. Now, will you write down your marks there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and I'm just waiting until they complete their marks. So the marks are written down and we're going to reveal in a few minutes how it's all stacked up. Now that you've your marks written down, I will read this little note from Laura Casey, who uh, lives in Carrick Mullen in Knockbridge. She says... Hi, Jerry. I hope you enjoyed the pudding. It was made with a real family effort. The recipe is my mother's. Betty, you're on the mark. 
And three generations of the family helped to make it. Myself, my nephew and my dad. And the best bit, it was made in a steel can that belonged to my great-granny from Shannon Rock in Loud Village. It has been used for making Christmas puddings by my family for nearly a century. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And you know what? Did you tasted that. That's coming out of it. Yes. Absolutely. Barely yeah. picked up he on that. Yeah. It was a child's bath that my granny, again, and we, everyone had to jump over it. Yes. So, you know, that was just yeah. all part of the tradition. <laughs> yeah. And I could taste that. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it yeah. lovely? Yeah. Let's come back to Christmas. And uh, oh, listen, we had other things to talk about there, but let's talk about Christmas and Christmas in 2019. One thing I, I, I didn't mention, and I'm springing this on you here. Do you remember? This is the end of the decade. 20 years ago, as we sat in 1999 for the turn of the millennium and all the panic that went with yeah, it. Yeah. The planes are going to fall yeah. out of the sky. Y2K. Computer. The the why, Karen? Why Y2K. Y2K was the project. Mm-hmm. And yet, nothing We're happened. Still here, yeah. Life We're went still on. here. Uh, I can say the same for Brexit. The same will happen with Brexit, guys. It'll happen. We have all this frenzy going around it. And when it happens, and we'll deal with it then too. It's the same phenomenon. Absolutely. <laughs> it absolutely is. What about childhood, Betty, and your memories? Kira mentioned early on going to swears, getting our Bunty magazine and a little chocolate and something. What about a Christmas memory? What's your fondest memory growing up as a child, Betty? Well, I just think a new pyjamas and ah. then the carrots for, 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 for the ch- leaving them out leaving them out for, for, for the reindeers yeah. and then the new pyjamas yeah. and the bath and going mm. to bed early and then the excitement you couldn't sleep with the kind oh of the excitement God. you know yeah. so yeah. that's what kind of springs to and mind and that has not changed one bit yeah. through the yeah. generations yeah. thank God yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. Karen for me I suppose it's just that feeling of cosiness it's that time when you just hunker down with family and the fire is lighting and it's just warm and cosy but I was just reminiscing there last week my uncle Barry who lives in Cork um as kids he made me my first little cot for my dolly and it was a beautiful little pink cot with the little bo- sidebars and the whole lot and I was just reminiscing at the the amount of time and work and effort that went into making something so beautiful for me as a gift in my childhood and it's something that I've treasured always Isn't that just lovely? God, you'll have us all in tears today Kira. Well, I have a fu- kind of a funny story about Christmas I remember waking up one Christmas morning and uh, outside all the presents were there laid out and there was this school desk Right, a school desk, pine, the elves probably made it themselves. And I looked, and my name was on it. And I looked at it, I looked underneath it to see if there was anything else. I looked in the drawers to see if there was anything else. (laughs) It was a school desk I got for Christmas from Santi. And I'm sure it was made with love by Santi, but it was the most disappointing Santi present I ever got. But maybe it made you the businesswoman that you are that, today. Yeah, they had the vision that look at you, you'd be studying. And, and would you and, believe, oh, would you believe that life. school desk is, my daughter still uses it. Okay. Uh, so you see, see Santi's yeah, presents have longevity. They, have. they sure and, and, and do. And you, you know, how, the man is just magic for all yeah. children listening yeah. today. Oh, he's unbelievable. Oh, he can, he can get anything to you. He can. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, look at the size of a desk from the smallest gift yeah. to the largest. Oh, it was probably the biggest thing in his sleigh. But oh, I just, that, yeah. I, and I was well, well, should that have to be Kira Bork if it wasn't anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Mine is bigger than yours. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mine generally is, Jerry. <laughs> Oh my, oh my. Anyway, we've almost come to the moment that a lot of people are hanging out there with braided breath to uh, find out uh, who is or who has made 2019 Late Lunch LMFM Radio the best Christmas pudding in the northeast. Karen Devine, we've entrusted the marks with. Karen has been beavering away there doing the total. So let me explain what's happened. As they tasted the puddings, the girls all wrote down a mark on the sheet. Karen has compiled the totals. 30 is the maximum. No need to go into the totals, Karen. Just, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think we have a result. So, in reverse order, as is the tradition, in fifth place this year is... Barry. Barry. Barry, the one guy we had in coming in in fifth place. Well done to Barry McHugh from Drumree. Fourth. Lorraine. And that is Lorraine Bellew from Dulique. Well done to you into the top four. We're counting down on top of the pops this Christmas. <laughs> At number three. It's Gail. 
Gail Fitzsimons, previous winner on at least one or maybe two occasions. She's right in there again, knocking the door for the title, but just, just falling short this year. In second place and the runner-up. The runner-up is Laura. Laura Casey with the traditional pudding is in runner-up position in second, which means that the the best Christmas pudding in the Northeast, late lunch, LMFM Radio 2019 is... Rita. Rita <laughs> Daly <laughs> from <laughs> Slane. Congratulations. Well done, well done, Rita. Congratulations. Well done. It was yeah, delicious. You all agree that yeah. that pudding was the one that really... No, it was a tight thing, we have to say, between Rita and Laura. It was, it wasn't sure it? Was. I just see it on the marks there. It was very close between them. But Rita, well done to you. You have worked the oracle and we have a beautiful prize for you. We'll be in touch after the show or shortly and we'll make arrangements. The uh, big hamper, the winning hamper, is yours this year. Just before we finish, a, a final reflection on maybe 2019, the year gone by, warts and all, and look what's happened in the country. And boy, are we heading into an exciting year next year in Ireland with an election guaranteed. How would you sum up, just in a, in a few words, Karen, the year past? Good Lord, you've put me on the spot. <laughs> I have. <laughs> and it's no rarely you find me speechless. I'm no better woman. <laughs> uh, I think it's been a year of highs and lows. Um, I think at a local level, we've seen lots of good things. We've seen lots of good and happy days with traditional music and the FLA. We've seen some tough days as well with the armed response unit on the street. So my hope for 2020 is that things are calmer and happier and more peaceful in the right across the northeast and that uh, maybe it's time to rule out a little of that corruption at national level Ah uh, listen I don't think there's anyone listening today wouldn't disagree with you the year passed Betty Just it seems to be going faster Jerry as mm, I get older mm. honestly it feels about 6 months and you know I should be in around May or June I can't believe it's Christmas so <laughs> maybe they, don't they say it speeds up as you get Betty, older Betty it does yeah. it goes yeah, with yeah. the territory yeah. I couldn't yeah. agree with you time more Time is precious Oh That's certainly just, yeah. Yeah. enjoy yeah. every yeah. moment well, I have to say we've had a healthy Christmas in my family and um, my partner had uh, prostate cancer last year. He's got the all clear this year. And, you know, I think people who have their health have their wealth because there are so many sick people. There's so many people um, with, you know, troubled alcoholism or drug addiction or anything like that. And I just think that if you have healthy kids and healthy families, you are very privileged. You're on the yeah. pig's back, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. And I don't yeah. mean to upset pigs with Christmas coming and the Christmas table in mind. <laughs> I, well, I, can I just say one thing, Jerry? I want to celebrate the meat eaters of this world. <laughs> and I'm celebrating because the vegans are coming in in force. Huh. And I'm just saying, I can't wait for my turkey and ham this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Told you she's big in every department. <laughs> Final word to you, Kier Burke. Look, I just want to say to the three of you, thank you so much for joining us today, judging the puddings and being here and offering your opinions. And to all our panel of women from Women or Opinions, some can't be with us today. And I want to particularly say hello to Carmel McCarthy, who uh, will be away for a little while and we wish her well. She's well, there's nothing up at all, but she has uh, another calling to go to for the next while. But to all the girls who've stepped in in uh, the last moment here at times during the year, thank you so much indeed. We really do appreciate you. And Women with Opinions, We'll be back. It's a little while. You have to wait. I was just looking at the calendar. 31st of January is the next last Friday. Wow. They'll be here, but they will be here, I promise you. Happy Christmas to you all and all Thank your you, Jerry, and you too. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Friday afternoon, late lunch, LMFM radio. There's only one man for us all year. Yes, the sporting weekend ahead, and we are concentrating on big soccer games. It's Leon Blanche, communications manager with Boyle Sports. Afternoon, Leon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. Well, we're starting with a game in the Premier League that people are probably asking. Why would you start with two teams who are dropping towards the wrong end of the table? It's Everton-Arsenal, but for good reason, Leon. Yeah, look, I think it is. You know, this is a huge game. Um, Ancelotti will be, I think, in place on Monday. Arteta, of course, going back to one of his um, former clubs, Everton. Um, as Arsenal manager or, or Arsenal coach whatever you want to call him and look Duncan Ferguson I think has done a really really solid job in the three games he's been there they beat Chelsea they drew away against United and came from 2-0 down and drew with Leicester of course they got beaten on penalties but he's kind of reinvigorated the club the fans are behind the club now they seem to be behind the players he's going to be in charge for this game and he'd love nothing more than to 
spell out as kind of in charge. He will be on the Ancelotti on staff, which I think is a very clever move by Ancelotti. But I think Everton at 11-8 to 8 are going to be very popular for Big Duncan in his last game in charge. Arsenal are 9-5 to 5 and the draw 11-4. to 4. So for me, I think I'm going to go for the Toffees to claim all three points. Unsurprising and depressing from a Gunners fan's point of view, but we leave that aside for the moment. Now, the big game in the league this week with Liverpool not in action, and we're going to talk about them in a moment. What a game this is. Manchester City against Leicester City. Huge game. I mean, look, I think at the minute, um, Leicester, of course, they slipped up in the Premier League, only um, taking a point from their last league game. Man City, they were very good at the Emirates. Kevin De Bruyne was on fire in the first 45 minutes. But similar to when Man City played Man United, Leicester are a silly price. They're 7-1 to one to beat City away from home in tomorrow evening's half-five kickoff. Man City are 4-11, to 11, and the draw here is 4-1. to one. Jerry, I know what Brendan Rodgers is going to do. I think most football fans do. He's going to set up to try and hit City on the counter-attack. And Leicester can be absolutely devastating on the counter-attack. I wouldn't be back in Man City at 4-11. to 11, And I think Leicester are good enough to come away from the Etihad with a draw. So for me, I think a draw at 4-1 to one represents decent value. Big London Derby, Spurs against Chelsea. Spurs picking up again, certainly under Mourinho. And Chelsea wobbling a little bit now at Lampard. Yeah, they are, Jerry. You know, look at the young teams, so they're bound to have um, these couple of blips throughout the season. I'm sure Frank Lampard, now that the transfer ban has been lifted, I think he'll go into the market in January. But Spurs, as you rightly say, under Mourinho, that was a big win last week. You saw how much it meant to Mourinho. Uh, he's fully in grace with the players. They seem to be playing for him. They were disappointing away against United. And I know he gave a couple of players a rest against Bayern Munich when qualification was already secured in the Champions League. But I think Spurs have improved under Mourinho. I think most people will agree with that. They're 13 to 10, Chelsea 15 to 8, and the draw here 11 to 4. Again, with the home advantage, Jerry, I think I'm going to go with Jose Mourinho and Tottenham to claim all three points in the London Derby. Now, we mentioned that Liverpool are away. They're in the Middle East. They won their semi final in the World Club. They're in the decider against Flamengo, so it's uh, Europe against. South America. Tell us a little more about this team that Liverpool are playing and what do you expect? Yeah, look, Jerry, you know what? I watched the um, I watched the semi-final um, that Flamengo played in. They were pretty disappointing in the first half, but by God, they were a totally different team in the second half. They came out and scored three unanswered goals, having been trailing by that goal at half-time. They're powerful, they're quick, and they're very, very tough in terms of a tackle. Liverpool, they do have some defensive issues. They only had one recognised centre-back in the semi-final, available and fit, and that was Joe Gomez. Of course, Jordan Henderson played alongside him. So they're hoping Van Dijk will be OK to play in the final, as will his international colleague, Gini Wijnaldum. I think if both of those players are available, I think Liverpool, just the way they're getting the job done, they probably will beat Flamingo. But I'm looking forward to this game. I think there's going to be plenty of goals. I think both teams will definitely score, but I'm hoping... Liverpool might just get over the line. Thank you so much, Leon, for all your contributions to Late Lunch over the year in terms of sport. May I wish you and everybody at Boyle Sports a very happy Christmas and all the very best for 2020. And the exact same thoughts right back at you, Jerry, to yourself and all the staff and crew at LMFM. It's been a privilege to come on board with you guys every Friday and long may that association continue. Happy Christmas and a very prosperous new year. We absolutely love your Christmas cuties. We have another one for you now. She's four years of age and her name is Victoria Rose Gibney. I bought a little monkey so tiny and new. The problem was he grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. grew. Up and up and up and up and up and up right up to the ceiling. Perhaps you can imagine how my family was feeling. We took out all the windows. We took out all the doors. We took out all the ceiling. We could took out all the floors. Perhaps there was something wrong. My father's name was King Kong. Uh-huh. Isn't she just fantastic? Victoria Rose Gibney, four years of age. Now, the cutest cutie, 
will uh, win a lovely prize. It's a €250 Euro voucher from Shoe City in Castle Blaney and we thank them uh, for supporting us on Christmas Cuties here on LMFM again this year. We're going to name the cutest cutie on Monday, on Monday's late lunch, our final late lunch of the decade. Think about that. The final late lunch of the decade coming your way on Monday. We have a lovely show lined up for you, I promise you. So, there's still time for your cutie to get in there. What do you do? You heard lovely little recitation there by Victoria Rose Gibney, a song. Send them to us over the weekend. WhatsApp them to 086-1800-658 or you can send them in to lunch at lmfm.ie. And I'd also like to mention the wonderful people at Blackstone Motors who are our Late Lunch Show sponsors and we really do appreciate their support. And, uh, of course, they have uh, bases in Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. And I want to say a big thank you to Don and Noel and all the staff at Blackstone and to all the customers to wish them all a very happy Christmas this year and all the best of motoring in 2020. An exciting time with the new plate coming up for everybody there at Renault and uh, thanks again to one and all. Reminding you, yes, I know there's somebody been onto us there saying, uh, I missed the pudding, who won the pudding, the best pudding? I'll tell you who's won it this year. Rita Daly from Slane has made the best Christmas pudding in the Northeast for 2019 LMFM's Late Lunch Annual Competition. Congratulations again to Rita and we'll be in touch with her after the show. She's won a beautiful hamper and her pudding is gorgeous. But thanks to everybody who entered and sent us in puddings. You're so good, you're so generous, you're so nice and we really, really do appreciate it. That's almost a lot on Late Lunch for this Friday afternoon. Have a nice weekend. Don't get caught up in the fuss. It'll all happen. Take your time. Enjoy it. And we'll all get through with not a bother. I know it's a busy weekend, but do take care. And make sure you come back and join us on Late Lunch Monday, the last show of the year and decade, just for you on Monday. I want to say my thank yous now to Louise Walsh, my producer. Couldn't do this with errors. The wonderful Brian Farley, who stepped into the breach with me again today. Thanks a million, Brian. Enjoy that pudding. Yes, we've given him a lovely pud. He's going to have a little treat for himself this evening. And well-deserved it is, Mr Farley. Thank you indeed for helping me, as you always do. I want to say a big thank you to our guests who joined us during the week. Weren't they fantastic? We love them all, one and all. And especially to you, our listeners, who are with us every single day. We love you dearly, I have to say, and thank you for tuning in each day. The drive is coming up next. We're back on Monday to do the final show. Have a safe weekend. Take care of, your, take care of yourselves. We'll see you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Dacia sales event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Call in to see how shockingly affordable a new Dacia is in the new year. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.